Hello and welcome to the NPM Podcast. I'm Andrew Burns, reporter for New Project Media. In light of the growing number of robust state community solar programs, particularly in the Northeast, I'll be talking today with Zeta Shai, Chairman and CEO of Nexan, a firm that is a leader in community solar and is on the cusp of some major moves into new markets. All right, Zed, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time today. Very excited to have you on the podcast, sir. Right. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's an honor to have you. And, uh, you know, I would, we were just kind of going over the things we want to discuss, but I think it makes sense to just kick things off with some of the major closes um, that uh, Nexamp has has had this year, some of the things that you guys have been working on. The last time we spoke was back in, uh, I think, at the end of March or maybe the beginning of April for a print story. But, uh, yeah, catch us up about the year um, that you guys have had over at Nexamp. Yeah, no, it's it's been um, it's been a really busy year at, at Nexamp. Um, we've closed on sort of total financing between debt and equity a little bit under seven hundred million dollars. So um, it really sort of um, it's humbling. I think it was a great validation one for our business model, but two more importantly, just for community solar and DG um, as a whole in this country. So um, you know, with our closing. Things. As we you know, we talked about in March, we did a project equity closing, uh, we did a corporate equity closing, uh, and then we did a debt closing uh, with these portfolios. Um, on the corporate and the project equity, uh, we we're really excited to bring Generate uh, to sort of our shareholder family. Um, you know, they're a shareholder that really shares uh, a vision that we have about uh, distributed generation, about access, about equity. Um, and about energy justice. So, um, you know, we're thrilled to have them on board. And uh, number two, we were really thrilled to sort of have a number of top-notch debt institutions invest in our community solar portfolio, um, which we believe uh, was the largest to date on a debt financing. Right, two, right. most importantly, um, it was a portfolio uh, with customers that were not rated from a FICO score basis. And it's a great validator of this model because when Nexamp entered and started our community solar product offering, um, we were adamant that FICO scores did not make sense. Right. Um, it would actually create red lines um, between communities that actually needed these benefits, whether they're black, brown, LMI communities. And for us, it's just a great validation uh, that the capital markets understand this business model, are willing to invest in these communities, and it's something that we're going to continue to build and grow. Yeah, I remember now that you mentioned it, that being a uh, kind of one of your big passions. Um, you know, when, when you were, I think that must have been in the deal that that closed at the you know, toward the beginning. Yeah, they were. Yeah, we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, and I remember you uh, talking about that, and, and it was very interesting. Um, and it is great to hear that, you know, that I've, I've also seen that um, around just kind of going around. Uh, one of the last things that I was covering was uh, up in New Jersey. They were um, just did a, uh, a kind of wrapping up their pilot program there for community solar. And that was a big focus for them as well. So it is nice to see that, um, that the, you know, those are the kind of things that are being focused on, particularly, it seems like with community solar. And I guess that kind of is inherent into the, the community solar model. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it certainly has been a huge year for Nexamp in terms of uh, those financings and, and, and all of that. Um, do you want to talk about some of like the major, um, I guess, deals or, or things that, that Nexamp has, has worked on this year? I remember one um, with Walmart, it seems like. And then I also remember uh, something that you guys had going up uh, in Maine. But uh, you know, we can talk about those and anything else that you want to highlight. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, we're really excited to bring Walmart to uh, basically be an anchor offtake for a number of our community solar projects. Um, and, you know, for again, this is just another validator that large corporations are thinking about uh, the climate crisis that we're in today. And two, they're also looking at how do you address the climate crisis by investing in communities. And, and you know, the community solar offering for me is just such a perfect fit uh, for any CEOs or CSOs that are kind of looking at how do they um, really mitigate some of these impacts of uh, the climate crisis we're in. So um, Walmart was a, a sort of exciting uh, entree into our portfolio. Um, we have several other large companies, which we're going to be announcing uh, later this year as well. And we're really seeing kind of a velocity of large corporations getting smarter about community solar and really that interest ramping up significantly. So um, I think from us and hopefully others, you'll continue to see that interest. Um, Maine, we've been, as you've alluded to, we've been um, super busy. Uh, new community solar market. Uh, we're going to start lighting up projects uh, later this year and uh, through next year. Um, you know, for us, again, in our business model, uh, we've made sure that from an organic business development, uh, we spent time in the state of Maine, uh, but also from a channel development of working with sub-developers and acquiring those projects and really building a nice portfolio where we can create a really nice captive customer base in the state of Maine, where we're delivering community solar benefits. And hopefully, uh, as we talk later in this podcast, uh, benefits beyond community solar. Right, right. Yeah, I am excited to, uh, to get into that for sure. Um, well, I, I, as we're, while we're talking about community solar, though, I do kind of want to talk about um, sort of the, the markets that, that Nextip is most active in now. Obviously, Maine is one of them. And sort of just kind of what uh, you guys are seeing on the ground there as uh, community solar developers. And then we can talk about maybe some markets that you're uh, interested in entering um, or expanding on, um, as you will. Um, so uh, I just want to highlight that uh, NPM is about to be putting out a report on the New York community solar market uh, specifically. So if you would just start with talking about New York and kind of uh, what your activity has been there and what your experience has been, uh, you know, with the community solar market there. And then maybe we, we can expand to some of these other states that you guys are active in and, and looking at. Yeah, no, absolutely. So New York's a very large market for us. Uh, we sort of uh, set roots in the New York market early on about, I call about four years ago. Um, and started developing projects and working communities there. Uh, you know, we have a number of live community solar customers in New York um, that, you know, are excited to be part of uh, community solar farms, et cetera. So um, for us, New York did a tremendous job in really seeding that market and growing it in a very quick order. Um, and I think now for policymakers, um, they've set that aspirational goal of more DG on the grid combined with um, large offshore wind procurement to really right. get net zero. And we think it's uh, New York is a leader in this country among a few other states. And, you know, we're really pleased that DG is part of this vision. Um, I think one thing that we see in New York and other markets is really the role of infrastructure challenges. Um, and what I mean by that is as these markets mature, um, our grids were built more than a century ago in many spots. And the way we conceived of grids in sort of the 20th century was more of a central hub and spoke model. So large power plants, lots of lines running out to communities. 
um, not an intelligent grid, uh, not a heterogeneous grid where we had different forms of generation. Um, so when you start these markets, you, you can add solar and storage. Um, but now when you start thinking about net zero, when you have large procurements um, off the, the, the shores in New York, then we have more DG and solar, um, the grid has to change. Uh, the grid has to be intelligent, has to be um, decentralized. Um, it has to be dynamic. And we're gonna need more and more investment to, for that to happen. Otherwise, to reach these goals, even the uh, DG goals that New York has put out, it's going to be very difficult. The cost of energy connection is too high. Um, right. Lose a lot of the sort of uh, the rationale and uh, fluency behind sort of what an energy grid should be. Now, I think the good news is um, we've seen Congress pass legislation on infrastructure, uh, which does address some grid mod. Um, I think hopefully with the reconciliation bill, there'll be more funds to focus on this because as we go into the second, third, fourth chapters of community solar and states, um, that infrastructure challenge is going to need to be um, really addressed and resolved uh, for us to be successful meeting our goals. And number two, it's really the building experience, right? Um, as you alluded to, people love community solar because they get to connect with uh, solar infrastructure in their communities. It's not something that's foreign. It's not something that's theoretical. It's real. They can actually see these jobs being created. They can see the solar plants being built and they can see them being maintained. Um, for us to be successful, um, the community solar product has to be something that's seamless, easy to understand, and just a awesome product to use. Um, but what we need is modernization of the utility billing systems. We need utilities to make sure that um, community solar providers are getting the correct data and the data at the correct time on building cycles. And this is new for utilities. So to expect this to happen overnight is unreasonable. Um, we're seeing a lot of growing pains with billing integration, incorrect credits. Um, and as you can imagine, that leads to a lot of frustration for right. some of the early adopters in community solar. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and do you see, is that uh, so that, that I want to talk touch on both of those issues, but uh, starting with the, the utility billing issue, is that something that you're seeing sort of across the board um, with the, the various utilities and the various markets that you're in? Or are you seeing maybe some of those that have, you know, had community solar interact, you know, adopted and in, in their, their markets, um, you know, for a longer period of time, maybe they're starting to sort of figure that, that system out? Yeah, I, I don't think any of the utilities do it particularly well yet. Okay. Of view, unfortunately, and, and you know, I'm, I'm thinking of the customer, and, and again, this is not a uh, developer owner versus utility issue. It, it's about right. how can we do the best by the customer. Um, none of the utilities have done a fantastic job with this, and I think the issue is utilities were never trained to think of customers as customers. They always view them as ratepayers. They never really invested in billing systems that are modern um, that can intelligent that can integrate with other systems. And some utilities are starting to make those investments, um, but we're, we're not there yet. And um, there are some measures like consolidated billing that utilities have proposed. And we can talk later about this, why I'm not sure if that's the right model or not. I think for certain owners, it may be, but just putting the bill um, and just putting your credit on your utility bill is, is sort of a fix that certain utilities have proposed. Um, 
for a number of reasons, which I can go in later. I don't think that's the best avenue for the customers long term. Um, but that's really a shortcut to fix this. But you know, in the long term, um, I'm a big believer. I think your energy data should be yours, just like your social footprint on Facebook or whatever platform should be yours. It should be owned. It should not be monetized by anyone else. The way you use your data should be your decision. Um, I think same thing, if we're thinking about going to net zero, that energy data is extremely valuable to understand what measures you can take to decarbonize your personal life. And I would encourage utilities really to support initiatives where that data, um, whether it's a common API or a common um, integration um, point of view can be shared with providers that they choose. And I, I think that will be critical for innovation and entrepreneurship as we sort of enter really the sprint to decarbonize in the next decade. Right, right. And I'm sure that that's going to be something that is uh, becoming, you know, more of a, a, a focal point for, um, for for developers like you that, that are involved in community solar and, and you know, obviously you want um, this, this billing issue to be to be solved and, and you want your customers to be able to, to access your energy as, as easily as they can. But I think a, an issue that is sort of universal, regardless of what kind of uh, development that you're, you're active in is this issue of interconnection and transmission and, and all this this big problem. And I kind of am, am starting to view it as maybe one of the biggest problems, if not the biggest problem, in the at least in the short term, in terms of um, scaling up, right? Uh, we're starting to see this, it seems like, uh, all over the, all across the board. So I want to hear, I don't know if, and it's a big, it's a big um, problem to solve, and I don't expect us, the two of us sitting here talking today to solve it necessarily, but um, I am curious about um, what you think might be able to be done to sort of mitigate that issue, maybe what's being done now that you think might be helpful. Um, and then obviously we have the, like you mentioned, the, the uh, reconciliation the infrastructure bill um, that, might, that might fit in as well. But just kind of uh, talk about that issue and, and sort of what you potentially see as solutions there. Yeah, I, I think one is um, bringing more modern standards about how we look at EdTG systems entering the grid. And what I mean by that, if we're building, um, and this is not with every utility, but I'll just take a generic utility. If we're building a five megawatt uh, solar power plant, the way they view interconnection and the way they build it is they take the sunniest day, the day with the highest insulation, and they build interconnection for 365 days a year and 24 hours. Typically, that's how they'll do it. Um, and they have to do that from a reliability safety standpoint. So I'm not begrudging it. Sure. But you think about a solar power plant, it's fairly variable with seasonality, with cloud cover, et cetera. Um, and really from a resource standpoint, that's not the best way to do it. Um, the best way to think about it is how do you use curtailment? How do you use smart inverters? How do you use storage to optimize the current infrastructure we have? So I think that that. that that for me is really the low hanging fruit is how do we create standards uh, that are best practices that absolutely prioritize safety and reliability? Absolutely no question on that. We can't uh, take shortcuts around that. But how do we bring modern technologies, right, with storage, inverters, curtailment to really put more power on the grid at the lowest cost possible? And I think that's what utilities really need a mindset is um, performance based standards. I think if we can get dollars to incentivize utilities with better performance on doing grid mod, thinking about these new standards, 
that would help them because there needs to be a carrot offered to the utilities to think differently and to approach this problem differently. Until they, until we have that, uh, whether it's from the DPUs or whatever regulatory bodies appropriate at the state level, that's going to be very difficult. So we, we really need to push on that. Um, and I think we're going to need advocacy groups, private sector groups, and utilities to kind of talk about this and how do we do this? Because again, for me, it's, we sort of, uh, this, this is so different than when I was in energy a decade ago, where it was a little bit of a cat and mouse game and, and there wasn't much renewable energy to speak of in the grid. Hopefully all these stakeholders are aligned now, right? We just don't have much time to decarbonize. And I think this is kind of the moment in history where we can do it. And then I think the broader issue is how do we either rate-based certain grid modernization? How do we get federal right. dollars in that? Um, the reconciliation bill, as you probably know, also allows systems that are five megawatts and lower currently the way it's drafted uh, to uh, use the interconnection as part of the ITC cost basis, which will help um, systems and power plants absorb some of these higher interconnection costs. I think that's a great measure. Um, but it also will be a really bold project on how do you modernize some of these older grids in states like Maine, in states like Massachusetts and New York. Um, we're gonna need to do that. And, and yeah. sort of, this is only like the tip of the problem because if yeah. we start buying transportation and heating, the stress on the grid is just going to be exacerbated. Mm -hmm. And we sort of have to think about that. And, and that's why for me, DG is an opportunity. Um, and I would encourage other peers in this industry, not just, it's not like, can we just get it more interconnection, more interconnection? It's DG can also solve some of these interconnection issues with storage and power generation and level three charging. And it's not only for passenger vehicles, but also hopefully for trucking in a not so distant future. Um, and I think that's how we have to start really working with utilities is yes, DG is a solution. It's not a problem, but we really need better communication to get to that um, point. Sure. And then I guess kind of the last thing on this is um, I know that in the, uh, so we, we have some more coming on uh, hopefully with the, you know, the second bill, but with the uh, infrastructure bill, um, I know that there is some, uh, some allocation that's going to be done there in terms of uh, transmission. Um, do you have any ideas or, or any thoughts about where that, like, because so, obviously they're going to have to pick, right? It's, it's not like that they can just universally just do a blanket, right? They're going to have to prioritize. Do you think that it's going to end up being sort of prioritized in the Northeast or, or what? I don't, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, but I wonder if you, if you can speak to where you think that might go or at least where you think it should go. Yeah. For me, it's hard to know, right? It's hard to um, project the future, right? And, and know where and how it's going to be divvied state by state, but also region by region within the states. Um, unfortunately, as you probably know, when, when this bill is passed, it typically goes to geographies, utilities uh, that are ready to apply for it and, and are covered. Now, unfortunately, sometimes, as you can imagine, certain utilities, especially smaller ones, um, just don't have that same infrastructure to capture some of these federal benefits. So there is a worry that that's there. Um, but for me, we can't just rest on our laurels as just going to be the... Um, uh, the infrastructure bill. It, it really has to come from the PUCs or the DPUs. Like, how do you sort of incent utilities to do this? How do you sort of rate base some of this work? 
Um, how do you do it in a way that, again, we're just trying to deliver the most amount of clean energy in the most cost-efficient way for the customers? And um, I, I think it's going to be a multi-tool approach where, yes, as you mentioned, the federal bill has stuff on transmission. And, you know, our reminder to policymakers, it's not just transmission, it's also distribution also, right. especially for charging. Um, and I think that gets forgotten sometimes as policymakers think, hey, if we address transmission, we're all good. We've done our job. And um, the reality, the, the, there's a lot more work to do beyond transmission. Right. Okay. Well, that, you know, I mean, obviously there's just so much, it's such a, a good topic and, and it's such a challenge, all these infrastructure challenges that you've highlighted. And it's good to, to be thinking about those things and, and looking at potential solutions. But um, I do want to uh, sort of move toward uh, some some things that NextAmp has on the horizon. I don't know if you uh, want to talk about um, any specific markets that you're looking at or, or things that you're, you're looking at in the future. But um, also I know that um, NextAmp is, is, sort of starting to look at uh, utility scale as, as a part of, of your business model. So uh, I certainly want to talk about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, um, we're at a really interesting uh, potential inflection point in, in our business. Um, we don't view ourselves as a developer. Uh, we really view ourselves as a company that's focused on decarbonization solutions, period. And that's really our mission. That's how we've been built. And the way we try to deliver a superior customer experience by this is one, we've picked certain technologies, which were very fluent at solar and storage. Um, we've picked a business model where we're vertically integrated from development to EPC, to ownership, to the customer acquisition and maintenance side. Um, so that that's really the, the platform we've built. Um, so a couple of things in the future. One is, uh, we expect to really make some rapid growth in newer states uh, where we're seeing burgeoning uh, community solar legislation, but we're also starting to build other products and services. Um, we're seeing the need where we're meeting large corporate customers and they're interested in community solar, but then they're interested also in utility scale solar. They're interested in electrification of their transportation fleets. And one thing that we are really effective at doing is working with those customers to build the best solution sets that really decarbonize them effectively in a timely and cost-effective manner. And that really for us is uh, the mindset. Um, as you alluded to in the utility scale, um, we see synergies with what we built, with what we have in our development team and what we have in our EPC and asset management team. We also see synergies with our energy sales where we have these, uh, this connective tissue uh, with large energy buyers. So for us, it's why wouldn't we do this? Why wouldn't we build these solutions for these customers that are asking for it? Um, and then, you know, as we look in the future, um, Nexamp has a DNA where we're always trying to evolve with our customers and we're trying to evolve with the needs of the climate crisis. So I think you can expect to see from DG to utility scale to other development products and electrification um, sort of where are areas where we can do this well? And if we can, if we have a reason from a business model standpoint that we can do it well, we'll bring it to customers. If we can't do it well, we'll probably work with partners. Um, and then outside of that, it's really thinking through that customer journey for us. It's how do we build a customer engagement platform, which currently right now is only community solar, just to be clear, at the retail level. Uh, but we're looking at really making that platform a lot more robust so that if you were a community solar customer or any other, um, that 
you can figure out how to fully decarbonize using that platform. And Community Solar for us is a first step. It's a first important step, uh, but there's a lot more steps that need to be taken. And our expectation is that platform should be able to do that in the next few years. Yeah, that's, that's very exciting. So um, when it comes to uh, sort of uh, kicking off the, the utility scale side of it, are you thinking, you mentioned that there's some, there's some um, you know, new states that you're looking at in terms of uh, community solar, we can talk about that, but in terms of utility scale, you think you're going to start with um, sort of these, these states that you're already sort of active in, or are you looking at completely new states in terms of utility scale um, that makes, you know, maybe that makes more sense in, you know, some of the some, some bigger states and different markets. Yeah. No, absolutely. So I, I think primarily we started with states where we have development fluency. Sure. So these are states where we have a development footprint. Uh, we understand the grid. Uh, we know the landowners. Um, and we've started there. There are several states where we've examined early on, but um, we're also looking at those states where we don't have a community solar pr- footprint that's active. Uh, but primarily, as you mentioned, it's starting with states where uh, we do have a current customer base. Um, and for us, the, the way we've thought about it from our business model standpoint is really thinking through um, where can we create value? So I, I don't think you'll see Nextamp active in a uh, feed-in tariff type market where it's just a procurement market. Um, it's really sort of structuring um, uh, virtual PPAs with certain corporate customers and matching them with the right demand. And then part of it, as you can imagine, is also, um, it's gonna be where our customers and our needs are. So there's right. certain geographies um, where we might be pushed to work with them um, and, and we're open to that. Okay. And then in terms of uh, community solar, you mentioned that there were some some new markets that you were uh, considering getting in. Do um, you wanna talk about those or, or some areas that you guys are looking at? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's there's several markets that are on the horizon. Um, I think the CCSA, which is the industry body um, that Jeff Kramer leads, has done a tremendous job on the behalf of the industry of really extolling the virtues of community solar and, and growing the market. Um, I think we're excited about some of the progress uh, that's being made in New Mexico, uh, that's being made in Virginia, hopefully Pennsylvania, uh, New Jersey. We just saw more activity in uh, LMI community solar, um, in this, my home state of Maryland, where I grew up, um, it, it's been a steady, slow moving state, but we hope to see sort of, uh, more traction there. Um, and you know, my hope is also there, there are states that we just would never have expected, uh, that open up maybe two to four years out. And I think these are states kind of in the South where there's a large number of LMI communities that have sort of been left out of this energy transition. And typically these communities uh, face the bulk of the externalities of the energy grid or energy generation. Um, And I would not be surprised if we see some wins there, but I think the key thing for us is um, as an industry, not just as an exam, but as an industry, how do we invest in states, both red and blue, and make sure that we educate them on what the benefits of community solar are, and sort of make them understand sort of how this can be a job creator, how this can be part of an energy transition, how this can help them invest in the grid. And that's the hope, right? So I, my, my, my wish is that these three states are just the tip of the iceberg. There's other states, obviously, which I haven't mentioned. Um, Oregon is another one uh, where they're looking at a community solar program as well. But, um, you know, 
for me, it's CCSA has done a great job and, you know, we need to try to get as many markets um, active as possible. I mean, I'd love something like 30 to 40 active markets, but we're just not even close to that yet. Right, right. Well, uh, that it's interesting to sort of see how the, the interest in community solar has grown. I mean, really it has. I mean, over the last, even just over the last couple of years that since I've been covering the industry, it really is kind of remarkable to see the the growth of that of that sector. I know that Next Step has been at the forefront of that. So uh, congratulations on that. And then I guess the last main thing that that I'm interested in, in getting your take on is uh, NPM actually just, just hosted a um, sort of a, a panel that was uh, discussing some some pipelines and things that are that were on the cusp of and things that we're looking forward to in the, in the next couple of years. And pretty much everybody uh, universally agreed um, that next year would be, uh, they're, they're kind of looking at next year as a big year for storage. And um, I, you know, I know that Nextamp is, is involved in storage. So I just wanted to kind of get, uh, get your, uh, you take the temperature on, on kind of what you guys are seeing in terms of the storage markets and, and uh, you know, if you are also optimistic about, about next year in particular being a, a good year for storage. Yeah, I think next year will be a really uh, interesting year. And I, I think next year will be determined both for storage and solar and the rest of the clean energy generation ecosystem. It's going to depend on sort of how the woes that we've seen in the supply chain have been sorted out. Sure. Uh, I think you've reported and other industry outlets have reported the cost of labor, steel, uh, the availability of modules, the availability of batteries is, is problematic. There's no way, the way the supply chain is today, and if that continues through next year, it is going to be a very challenging year for the whole industry. Um, and that concerns me because we haven't seen anything yet in our supply chain, which kind of would indicate that there's light at the end of the tunnel. I, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, so I believe we will get through this. Right. Um, but the question is just how long will this problem get take through? So um, to the storage question, are there exciting opportunities uh, through certain territories? Absolutely. Right. Storage is going to be a critical a part of kind of what we talked about earlier in this conversation about solving some of these infrastructure issues about integrating wind and solar onto the grid. Right. But if leading owners and operators can't get access uh, to uh, batteries and grid scale storage um, at the correct times, it's going to be a problematic year. Um, I think that's one thing. It's not only availability, but it's also pricing, which sure. is what we've seen. Um, we've seen a deflationary curve in both solar and storage, and we get spoiled by that every year. We assume things get cheaper and cheaper with install. And now we've sort of seen a blip in that with supply chain woes over the last nine months. And what I would say is kind of like the year before when COVID started, uh, we didn't see that. For the first year, it's kind of like people um, hunkered down uh, and they survived through that. Um, but now this year, it's very different. Um, in terms of availability. Um, so we're gonna have to really work through that. I think the other thing which will be interesting uh, to monitor throughout this because storage does in some reality also depend on solar deployment is what happens with the AD, the CVD case and um, the Department of Commerce. What happens with the um, reconciliation bill where there's a domestic adder? Right. Do domestic supply chains stand up pretty quickly or is it gonna take several years? And for me, not being in manufacturing, it's hard to tell. So we're trying to have these discussions with partners. Um, but this is something I think we just have to all have our eyes wide open about. 
Yeah, definitely. And, and it's going to be an interesting uh, a space to watch. And, and I'm looking forward to, um, to checking it out. And, and, you know, maybe once we, you know, are kind of into uh, 2022 and, and we're kind of seeing uh, how things are going, then, you know, we can reconnect and, and we can touch base then. But, um, you know, uh, Zed, I, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time. Once again, it's been an honor to, to have you on the podcast. And, uh, you know, you guys are doing great things and um, we definitely want to uh, keep checking those out. Yeah, no, absolutely, Andrew. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. And uh, congrats on launching this podcast. You guys have done an awesome job. And it's um, I'm an active listener and customer and subscriber. So um, thanks for providing this great service to the whole community. Yeah, it's, it's well, I appreciate you saying that. And, uh, you know, we do what we can. <laughs> And uh, I'm, I'm really uh, pleased that, that Next Amp is, is you know, sort of with us on that journey. And um, you know, I mentioned uh, that we uh, just, just finished that, um, uh, that sort of panel. And I, we're, we are planning on actually doing some panels on, on Community Solar in February. So we'll probably uh, tap you guys and see if you, you want to be uh, involved in that. But uh, good things uh, on the road ahead, I think. Uh, certainly there's, there's challenges, as we've discussed. But, um, you know, we got smart people uh, trying to uh, fix, those, fix those problems. So hopefully... Hopefully uh, we'll be able to we'll be able to figure this stuff out. But again, thank you very much for, for the time. And uh, yeah, looking forward to chatting in the future. No, thanks a lot for your time. Appreciate it.